You're listening to the Creepy Kingdom Podcast Network, covering and creating all things creepy. Visit creepykingdom.com to get access to all of our articles, videos, and podcasts. Join our Patreon for exclusive content. Patreon.com slash Creepy Kingdom. Now it is time to open up the gates. Creepy Kingdom proudly presents The Dark Theme Park Show. Alrighty, and I would like to welcome back to the show Miss Kat Cressida. Hello. Hello. Thank you for uh, coming back to the show. We had a, a great time learning about um, your how you got into voice acting and that whole adventure there. Um, and it's you know, you were saying that was about it, that we wrapped it up, but I think we have a little bit more to uncover because there's a uh, little rumor going around <laughs> that you might have contributed to a little spooky house inside the Disney parks. <laughs> you know, we covered everything that I've done for Disney, which ranges from the Tower of Terror to Jesse the Cowgirl to a couple of attractions that went away in D.C., California, um, in DCA, and uh, being a cast member, my dad being an Imagineer, and yeah, that pretty much covers, I mean, it's a lot. I've been very fortunate. That is a Uh, lot. That definitely is a lot, but I think there's one more thing. I'm just going to have to look at your IMDb here. Okay. Yeah, this says something about Black Widow Bride. I don't think we covered that. That's right. There was the time when I did a little character by the name of Constance. Oh, Constance Hatchaway by any chance? That is the rumor that that is her name. Oh. <laughs> it's not officially her name, by the way, but oh. there is a rumor that, uh, that I did that character. Well. So now we're done. Now we've got that out of the way. So, uh, James, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, no, I think we're going to have to dig a little deeper <laughs> into that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And just let's, let's start uh, at the beginning. You know, um, how did you uh, get to take on this role? Well, let's see. Um, I, I mean, honestly, the audition process started back in um, – End of 2005, early 2006. Um, But for me, the beginnings of being lucky enough and honored to be the voice of the bride, for me, feels like it goes all the way back to what we were talking about in the last one, which is my father um, being an avid fan of Disney history and Disney trivia, Mm -hmm. having worked since he was working with the Imagineers and bringing me to the park every week, every week for his meetings um, and me basically being forced to stand online listening to story after story after story about how things were created. Um, He was very passionate about making sure I understood all of the incredible work and the legacies and history and planning that went into all of these amazing attractions. And standing in front of the mansion and, and this story we recounted in the last one with him introducing the idea of the history of the mansion to me. 
and spinning it more as a fairy tale because I was four years old, five years old, listening to these stories. I remember being at the side of the mansion, staring up, always wondering what was behind those curtains. That was a big one for me because it, sure. to me, the, of course, the house felt very real, especially when you're, when you're a little tiny child, it looks huge. And um, him sharing these stories while I was staring up at the mansion, just it still gives me chills remembering it. He was a very good storyteller, very charismatic. And, you know, why is the weather vane a ship? Why does the cupola have windows facing out over the ocean or rivers of America, but the ocean and all of the different origin stories. So when I had the opportunity to go in and audition for it, once I learned what the character actually, what it was for and what the character was, I had this whole amazing rich history that my father had bestowed on me, Wow! you know, 25 years earlier that we didn't know. I mean, as a four-year-old, neither my father or I had any clue that I would ever be taking on one of the characters that he was describing. Of course so not. really, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's just so amazing. So to me, it's really, it gives me chills to realize that the seed had been planted in me, you know, 25 years earlier from when I went in to do the audition and the callback. And, I, I feel like in addition to whatever else, in addition to whatever else I was lucky enough to present to the casting director and the director and the producers at the, at Imagineering, fortunately I already had this back history in me and that became a part of the voice that I presented in the performance that I gave, um, and wanting to do honor to those stories because, sure. um, Again, to my father, it was very important to honor what had been created. That was his his biggest passion was don't just go in and have fun in the attraction. Recognize all the elements that pull together to make it so extraordinary. And um, and I felt the I felt both the honor as well as the <laughs> tremendous burden. <laughs> but I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead of the story. We'll get to the funny parts of all of this when once we get there. So in 2005. Uh, end of 2005 was told that I would be brought into, I was going to be going in for casting and then early 2006 went in for the first round of auditions, which I've, I've recounted this in other, um, other podcasts. And I, you know, this one's going to be very special with a lot of unique, uh, juicy tidbits that no one's ever heard before. So we'll just, <laughs> I'll rush through this into Imagineering signed the NDA basically swearing that I wouldn't share this with anybody. Now, remember, this is 2006, so the Internet was not nearly as prevalent, nor was social media. Yeah, particularly social media, yep. <laughs> yeah, but but still, you know, we, we weren't allowed to um, discuss, you know, anything outside of that. And I picked up a sheet of paper, and it had phrases on it that my brain was struggling to try to recognize. Hmm. Um I was in my late 20s. Everybody else in the room was in their early 20s. So that was mystifying to me as well because everybody else looked, um, I, I've said before, Barbie dollish, you know, just all American, beautiful, um, porcelain doll looks, okay. everybody else. And I was definitely, I was fortunate to be an attractive young actress 
at the time, but I wouldn't ever say that my looks were perfectly, you know, porcelain dollish. I wasn't like a Barbie doll. I, I have a little bit more um, Italian and Irish to my looks than than that. And um, uh, wondering if if we're all there for the same role, why does everybody else look really similar? <laughs> why do sure. I look so different? <laughs> um, and they were all, you know, at least eight years younger than me. Wow. That's, that's, that's an odd. Yeah. And then, um, and then looking over the lines, the the copy that would, we would be presenting in our audition was also odd for me because again, it was just these phrases in my brain. When you go to an audition, you're, there's always, you're nervous. I was especially energized and enervated because it was Imagineering, which is an extraordinary building to be sitting and knowing you're about to go into audition. And so finally my brain after like, I think three or four minutes went, I'm so confused. This is our script. And I went back up to the receptionist and said, are you sure this is our script? And she said, that's all they, you know, that's all they put out there. Mm. The receptionist don't know. They're just there to check you in and make sure that your, your ID matches. So I went back to my seat and I'm like, well, I'm not sure what we're supposed to do with this because normally you prep a character. Normally you take your lines and you decide what character and what voice and backstory for your character, you know, good acting 101. That's how you prepare to go in for, for voiceover. And, uh, particularly, particularly if you want to book the role. Mm -hmm. And I just had about five wedding vows and I was just staring at them going, maybe we're going to play a game or an improv game off of them. Or maybe this can't be it. Like this can't be the script. And so, uh, remember, because no one had any clue what this was. Right, but, yeah. yeah, that's what I was imagining. You didn't know what role you were going auditioning for. <laughs> Normally, you have, like, dialogue or a monologue or something that indicates what the heck's going on in the scene. So um, I was brought in, and, you know, actresses before me were going in and out. Then it was my turn. And I knew the casting director because he was the same awesome casting director who had cast me and brought me in for Twilight Zone and a couple of other things that I'd done for the parks. And he said, uh, Kat, this is Chris Gooseman. Chris is the executive producer. Uh, she she had worked on the recent uh, update to Pirates of the Caribbean with Jack Sparrow. And now she's working on the, you know something else very special for the parks. And I'm going to let Chris tell you a little bit more about it. And Chris was really wonderful, very warm, very nurturing, a senior Imagineer. And she said, well, we can't tell you really anything about this other than uh, it is uh, possibly a new character. And uh, these are your lines. And um, we just want you to basically the dreaded direction that every actor dreads. Just have fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe give them a different, give them a spin, have it, just play with them. And it doesn't matter how experienced you are at voiceover when you've just got lines that are wedding vows and you don't have any context, you don't really know what to do with them. So I, I probably dug a bit, you know, asking and they said, well, we're going to shoot you, um, with the a camera and we're also recording your voice. So this is both an on camera and a voiceover role and just be playful and maybe add a little bit of mischief hmm. to them. 
Did you know what attraction this was for? No, they didn't. Nothing. They don't tell you anything. Wow. So, which, you know, that's a whole conversation in of itself, but they had their reasons. And I guess they wanted to see what someone did without too much guidance or without imposing. Maybe they were afraid if they told people that maybe other people's preconception of, of what that would mean would get in the way of delivering, or maybe they'd start imitating voices already in that attract. Who knows? Right, right. I'm sure they had their reasons besides also confidentiality. So I just remember starting them and not quite sure, but acting 101 exercises for voiceover are take a phrase and turn it on its head by emphasizing something different. So um, in other words, you can say a sentence, but depending on which word you hit, which word you emphasize, it can change the whole meaning. Mm. Um, so I love you can sound, you know, I love you, which impose basically implies that maybe I compared to somebody else or I love you versus I don't just like you. I love you or I love you implying, no, it's you who I love. So if right. that makes any sense, you give a different. Yeah. So I kept doing that with the wedding vows, trying to find a different word to hit and she was like, good, good, good. You have a really beautiful voice. Um, now just maybe give it a pause before the last word of each one. And, and again, mischievous. Imply that maybe you mean something other than what the vows are. Mm. Well, that if it's a wedding vow and you're implying something other than the wedding vows are, then you're probably meaning the opposite of what the vows are, are saying. Right. <laughs> so I've tried playing with that and, and I knew there was a camera on me. So all in all, it was, it was an interesting experience, a bit existential. And certainly I had no idea what was going on. Um, but, but I started to have fun with it and get playful and get a little bit sexy with them and mischievous. And they seemed pleased and I left and I really had no clue what, what it was for or anything. And therefore, I wasn't as attached to the outcome. I just remember thinking, well, that was really cool. And I got to you know, meet the exec producer who'd also worked a bit on the Pirates of the Caribbean. And there's that. And then about a day or so, a few days later, uh, spoke to the casting director who basically said that uh, the executive producer really liked me. The director really liked me. And they're considering an idea, and would I be open to it? And the the question was, you know how on some Disney characters and some attractions, one person did the face and one person did the voice? Mm-hmm. And I said, um. And I said, would you be opposed to maybe being the voice if we were going in a different direction than, you know, your your particular looks? I think he was afraid I'd be insulted, but... I literally said, I'm a voiceover talent. Are you asking me if I would be upset to be a voice in an attraction at Disney Park? Right. <laughs> I'm going to go with, nope, I'm totally happy with that. And he said, good, 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 because I think that we've got an idea. And uh, the voice, of course, is the, is a very important element because you're going to hear the voice far, far more earlier than you're going to see the character. And the voice is very prominent, and the voice defines the character. And I said, okay. Um, and 
that was, and you'll be called back. We're going to go through your agent. So then I went back in and at the callbacks, I was the only person in the waiting room that time. So I think they had people more staggered out or maybe because I was the only person coming in. I don't know for the voice. Mm -hmm. I just remember, okay, now it's just me in the waiting room and I walk into a room and there's a camera set up and now there's a table full of props (laughs) Mm. and there's a baseball bat and a flower and something that's like a tinfoil version of an ax. And it just looks like, you know, a cute little table of props. And she says, so you're a bride and you're holding something in your hand, but it mysteriously turns into a weapon. And so we're going to ask you to just, we're going to shoot you, even though, you know, it's the voice that we're focused on, but you're just going to hold one of these, pick your weapon. And, uh, and now you're going to deliver your vows and you're really implying with your vows that, you know, some, someone may not come to a happy ending or something like that. And, uh, I picked up the baseball bat cause I love baseball. <laughs> <laughs> now all of you can picture Constance Hatchaway holding a baseball bat instead of a hatchet, but. Batter up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think there was just something com- comforting about, you know, the bat. I don't know. And uh, and she said, now hold it, you know, just hold it right here as if it's a bouquet of flowers. But then you can wield it, you know, at the end, you're going to sort of lift the flowers up and deliver each line and just go ahead. And, and I didn't really understand why I was doing all that if I was just the voice, but that's OK. I was still very thrilled to be there and very exciting to know that I was in a room that Walt had been in and where they planned the parks. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's just a surreal feeling right there, but, uh, I, uh, yeah, just started delivering each vow and was lifting up my hands. So I, I just remember starting to fall into a rhythm with the lines, starting to get kind of cozy and familiar with them and feeling like, okay, I get it. So she's sort of threatening with each one and she's implying with each one that she doesn't mean what she's saying, but by emphasizing a different word, I can change the whole meaning of the wedding vow and it can have a mischievous, a more frightening tone. And, and then there was some direction, like we don't want it to sound too scary. We don't want it to sound too, um, it's not a horror movie, you know, uh, don't make it sound like a ghost. Don't try to be, and I still didn't know what attraction I it was I was like, for. what was going through your mind? You're like, what possible attraction is this for? <laughs> I, honestly, I thought it was a new attraction. I honestly thought it's got to be because who's, I mean, in what universe are they adding a brand new character to a cl- attraction I know? I mean, right. they'd done it with Pirates because of the movie and because of, you know, Johnny Depp and the popularity of that character. But they'd never done something like that before. And I couldn't conceive of any classic Disney attraction where they would just throw in a brand new, you know, we would all revolt as fans. I mean, I, who? I, it didn't seem possible to me. It really did not seem possible. So I was thinking about um, it must be for one of the other parks or it's a new attraction in DCA. I don't know. And I didn't know the context. It's It's funny to say that even now, but now we all make the connection. If you say a bride and a weapon, everybody thinks of the mansion, but 
I wasn't going there with my mind. I just thought it had to be something new. Um, but they said it was in the vein of a classic Disney attraction. You know, it's, it's, it's going to feel like it's part of a classic Disney attraction, which again, my brain went, okay, so they're trying to basically make it like an old classic Disney attraction, whatever this is. Mm. And, uh, and then we finished and they said, great job. And now, now I really, whatever it was, I wanted it because now I'd grown attached to it and it's the worst feeling for an actor. You're supposed to walk out of every audition, every callback going, okay, I did my best next. Mm -hmm. But the idea had been planted in my mind of being a voice, a, a lead voice for a lead character in a, you know, an attraction that was going to feel like a classic Disney attraction. And I wanted that bad. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> Being in the Tower of Terror was really exciting, but I'm not really, I certainly wasn't like a major character. I'm a, I'm a voice that's an homage to a classic Twilight Zone episode. And I wasn't a character, you know, a character per se that you see or that you can recognize. Right. So uh, I remember, you know, sending an email to the casting director, sending a little polite thank you note just on, on eggshells, pins and needles. And, um, and you never know how long you're going to wait. So it was probably a, probably a good, um, oh my gosh, it probably was a good couple of weeks. And this is back in the days when uh, there were still like landline phones. Everybody had landline phones. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, but. <laughs> 14 years ago. I guess that was long ago. Wow. Ago. <laughs> And I was working in my home studio, and I think he did try me on my cell, but I had I had crappy cell reception in my home studio, so I we moved it over to the landline. And I remember exactly where I was standing. I was I was in my I have a second bedroom, which is converted into a full uh, recording studio. And on the walls, I have some. This is something I've never shared with anybody, by the way. All right. Uh, I have these. Uh, original animation cells from Peter Pan. Ooh, awesome. So I've got Wendy Darling on one side, and then I've got the poster from the attraction in the middle, and then I've got John and Michael playing at being Captain Hook and Peter Pan on the other cell, which I'd gotten a few years ago. I'd splurged and gotten those. And Peter Pan is has a special place in my heart because I was named after uh, Peter Pan which I shared with you, I yes. think after, after the podcast, what, what, what my real name is, what I was born with. So, right. <laughs> uh, two, you guesses that, but, um, uh, I remember I was looking at them and I figured he was calling me because it was either bad news and he didn't want me to hear it through my agent or it was good news. It was going to be one of the two. Sure. <laughs> he certainly wasn't calling just to chat or say that they still hadn't decided. And I was standing up and I remember him starting the conversation saying, Cat? And I said, Yes. And he said, Are you sitting down? And I knew, I mean, to me, that was enough because yeah. you don't say that to somebody if it's terrible news uh, with that, with that <laughs> tone. Right. So I literally screamed and I dropped the phone. I screamed oh and I dropped God. the phone. <laughs> And I was like, I was literally saying, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. And I was like, are you serious? 
are you serious? And he goes, wait, do you want to know what it's for? And I was like, oh my God, yes, what is it, what is it for? And he said, the Haunted Mansion. Wow. And I just, my brain kind of like skipped and my heart skipped and I was like, the Haunted, like the Haunted Mansion? Like like the Haunted Mansion Haunted Mansion? Or <laughs> Haunted Mansion Holiday? Or... Which to me, by the way, I'm sorry, I'm going to upset a few of your fans, I'm sure. But to me, Haunted Mansion Holiday is not, <laughs> doesn't count as being part of a classic Disney attraction. Um, even though it would be cool to be a voice in that, to me, it's the attractions that Walt built, that the original Imagineers created, the original mansion. So I remember mm -hmm. asking that question, him saying, no, the real mansion. And I was like, oh, my God. So you're bringing the bride to, it's the bride. Like my brain was like, I get it. I get it. Connecting, yeah. <laughs> the bride that's always been like a mannequin in the bath that you never knew what the heck that was. And like all those backstories that my dad had told me, I was just like, I could not believe it. I could not believe that I was being told that I was going to be this lead character. And I remember him sharing some logistics, which I did not hear at all. Um, and and I was crying at that point too. So it was like I was accepting my Academy Award. I was just like <laughs> completely blown away. And um, and he was like, well, now we, you know, we don't know when we're gonna record it yet. Um, there's still some things being worked out in terms of the final illusions and effects and um, and waiting to see when it can go in. They want it to be for the, now I always get my math wrong. Was this the 50th anniversary or the 40th? In 2006, would it have been the 40th or 50th anniversary of the mansion? No, 40th, of course. 40th, 40th of the mansion, 50th of Disneyland. No, 40th of Disney, 50th of Disneyland. We just had the 50th of the mansion and that was 1969, so... What would 2006 have been? The oh, 40th of Oh, wow. You're really, you're, no, you're, you're really messing me up with my math. So see, 2015 was 60 Disneyland. So it was the 50th of Disneyland. Okay. Yeah, that's what it, that, that must have been what it was. What that's it was what it was. Okay. So in honor of the 50th anniversary, they were, they were upgrading the mansion. Okay. And it, it was all tied together, basically, with that. And they were hoping it was going to open in 2006, but there were some budgetary concerns and um, they were figuring stuff out is what I was told. So um, not, not budgetary concerns. They were still figuring out the, the illusions and um, all, the, all the amazing work that goes into it. And I was told that she was going to actually be a character, like she was going to live and breathe and it wasn't quite an animatronic but it wasn't just a hologram. It was like a combination of four or five technologies layered together, which just sounded amazing. Mm. And she'd be, and she'd be life size. It was just um, unbelievable. And, uh, and so when we did finally schedule the, um, when we did finally schedule the recording session, I did not sleep the entire night. Wow. Uh, I, I, started to feel like this burden that's I was like I implied this at the beginning of the podcast this incredible like now all this stuff started to come up for example I have loved the mansion since I was old enough to appreciate it of course 
people who heard the last podcast know that I did not appreciate it when I was a little taught. Mm. <laughs> I screamed bloody murder and didn't want to be anywhere close to it. But once I was old enough to appreciate it, it's one of the two, I mean, goes without saying, it's one of the two classic attractions, right? Dark rides. There's pirates and there's the mansion. And the idea that I was going to voice a major character, a brand new character that no one had ever really known about or enjoyed. Remember, Jack Sparrow had been added to Pirates, but everybody loved him. That's why he was added. Yeah. And he's Johnny. So what's what's not to love? You've got Jack Sparrow and Johnny Depp, and they're going into. So um, I was never too concerned that they were going to screw up Pirates. But now I was very concerned that I was going to screw up the oh, mansion. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a Disney addict. So it was a weird feeling where I started to have these doubts and these thoughts and these, and I've never shared this by the way with anybody. So you got, you all are getting the inside scoop of what this was like, because oh while I was incredibly excited, I also was now so nervous. And I, I did a mind trip on myself like you would not believe. And what if, what if it's not good enough? What if when people hear it, they hate it? Oh, no. um, what if, <laughs> whatever. And, um, and I didn't know what it was going to look like, but, but Chris, the director had shared with me what the attic would look like. And that I was excited about because it was going to be this whole beautiful new set piece that no one had ever seen before. And the way she described it was so enchanting. I mean, she painted the full picture and I got to say, when I finally did see it realized from the sketches and from her descriptions to what it was, Man, they did a beautiful job with that attic. Um, because if anybody is old enough to remember, raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. <laughs> Before, the attic was just sort of this dead space. No pun intended. It was just a piano with a shadow on one side and like a dusty trunk and, you know, a bride that was sort of teetering at the very back. <laughs> you were just sort of like, what is this? It clearly was the land the time forgot because nothing nothing was really going on in it you just sort of waited to go from the ballroom to the graveyard right it's pretty forgettable i mean i can't even really remember it to be honest because it was kind of forgettable <laughs> yeah i mean i remember it it basically was just a big empty black space with the piano with the ghost piano player on the right side and the bride somewhere towards the back and a couple of trunks suitcases and that was it and then you know she so just sort of went all right this is a pause before the big finale and so anyway to get back to it the the description of this amazing attic a gothic attic with the remains of all of the wedding souvenirs and gifts and banners from her last it was just gave me chills to hear it and I think they did a beautiful job with it so anyway Back to me being a nervous wreck. Um, I definitely did not eat or sleep. And even worse, here's something hilarious. I I went onto the internet and I started to read up on backstories of the mansion to get myself into the mood and to read again about the different versions of the bride, anything that I could find, which wasn't all that prevalent back in 2006. No, really. Not besides doombuggies.com. <laughs> that's probably it. <laughs> and I and I don't even know if I ended up there. Um, I just remember that I was 
remember the internet 14 years ago was a lot more medieval and not a lot, not nearly as much and certainly not videos. Mm -hmm. And since there never had been a fully realized bride, there was just mentions, vague mentions, but because it never turned into anything, there was even less to write about it. Now in retrospect, people write more about it because it became a fully realized character. Right. So, um, but I was reading up on, you know, Leota tombs and reading up on anything I, I could. And this is really funny. I ended up scaring myself. I ended up like spooking myself out because it's three o'clock in the morning. It's pitch dark outside and it's really quiet in my neighborhood. And I'm reading all these ghost stories and looking at all these horrific drawings by Raleigh Crump and Museum of <laughs> So now on top of everything else, I've scared myself from being able to sleep. <laughs> and this is before I go into voice a classic, hopefully, you know, a, a main character in a, in a classic Disney attraction. So, wow. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, being youthful and being full of caffeine and nerves, I showed up, you know, bright and cheerful the next day super excited and imagining that am I, I'm going on and on and on. Is this interesting? Cause we can stop if like, if I'm like, <laughs> no, I, no, I'm, I'm, we're, we're there with you. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. You, you hang in there, foolish mortals. You're doing awesome. <laughs> um, but it's exciting cause I haven't really shared a lot of it. So, um, we, we get there and I'm picturing in my, my imagination, because it's a lead character, I'm thinking it's going to be like at least a full hour of recording, maybe two voiceover sessions. The rule is it's a minimum of an hour. Usually uh, producers are notorious for wanting to hear every version of everything 30 million times, even mm -hmm. if they got it on the second take, first or second take, you're going to end up on take 189 because they figure they paid for you. So they're going to get the, their money's worth out of you. <laughs> it's very rare to have someone go, great, we got it. Thanks, Kat. So, um, and I'm, and I'm looking forward to that. Like I'm looking forward to the creation process. And in my mind, I'm picturing like us huddled over looking at the sketches and I'd done a lot of, I'd already done my own research that I'd been asked to do, which I think we're going to be talking about in that third mysterious episode yes yes about all, the, all the amazing things that I discovered while I was prepping to to, to voice this character because that was pretty phenomenal to get to see rare things that had never been seen since 1969 wow to work with Dave Smith on backstories of the bride so I came I came having done my homework and and I had notes um I even had a couple of xeroxes of some early sketches but because I didn't know what she was going to look like, they they weren't revealing that, and uh, and I knew we were going to shoot reference of my face, and I was told to you know have a clean face, don't put a lot of makeup on, and that I would be they'd be kind of strapping my face into one of those uh, things that keeps your face very still while they shoot you from different angles. Wow, like and, the, like the uh, like the singing bust. Yeah, yeah, basically like you're in a, a like a. A head harness, basically, so that you don't move um, exactly. So, um, yeah, I had this fantasy that it was going to be like an hour to four hours of just making magic. And we got in. She said, 
Cat, the director said, Cat, just do what you did in the callbacks. Uh, we love it. Um, if we need something changed, we'll, you know, redirect you. And I, at that point, we had about, I think we'd written on the page about, there, they had typed for me eight or nine wedding vows to my memory. And I, re- and I read through them and I did like an A, B and a C of each one. That's where you basically do the same line three different ways um, so that they have options. And she was like, well, that was great. Um, you have any thoughts? And I was like, God, that can't be it. So I said, well, can I do them again? I mean, I was want to make sure that they're, you know, that you're really happy with them. She goes, she says, I'm, I think we're pretty happy with them. I mean, that's, that's what you did in the callback. I really like it. Um, unless there's something really different you want to try out. And then I remember trying to trying a few things out differently, but there was only, you didn't want to take it too far. Some of the directions, by the way, that I was given, because I don't think I've shared this yet is again, think mischievous, think playful, do not do scary. Do not try to sound like a ghost. We're going to add effects to it. So you don't have to worry about that. Just be a demure female. And by the way, you're the voice that every man falls in love with. It's the voice that just, it's a siren. It lures men to their death. It's that it's enchanting. No pressure. Um, <laughs> but think of it as you're luring them. And the wedding vows are, you know, we, we seductive without trying to be seductive. Uh, Disney never uses the word sexy, by the way, for characters. Don't, you're not trying to be sexy. You're not trying to be anything, but you can be sassy. Uh, so, you know, make her sassy and, um, you know, secretly I'm thinking, well, okay, we'll add a little sex appeal there. If she's supposed to be the voice that lures men that despite the fact that there's been what, six or seven other husbands (laughs) that have all died, they're still marrying her. So clearly there's something very alluring about her. So, um, that's, that's what I got in terms of descriptor for her voice. And that they really loved what I was bringing to it naturally and to, to just trust that. And, and then we were done. And I think we tried to add one or two other people. Were, I remember trying to think if there were other wedding vows that hadn't been included because they weren't sure how many on the, on the reel uh, were, go, you know, how many that were going to go before it repeated. Oh, okay. Yeah. The loop. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, re- I do remember there was a moment where we were trying to think of other wedding vows and I hadn't been married. By the way, I'm still looking for Mr. Wright, but that's, that's, <laughs> part, that's part of my other story with what happened to me in 2013. But um, I, I hadn't yet had the honor of being married. So I was like, God, other wedding vows. Huh. Those are the ones, these are the ones I can think of. And uh, so, Yeah. That was pretty much, we tried to think if there was anything more that we may have forgotten. Maybe we added one more. And, uh, and then I begged them to let me just do it, take a few more passes at it because I really wanted it to be perfect. Sure. Uh, but they felt that they had what they wanted. And, um, and then I left and I was kind of down. I was just kind of sad. I was like, God, that was so anticlimactic after all of this buildup and <laughs> picturing yeah was going to be like it's still a huge honor but i wanted it to go i wanted the experience and event to last 
right, right. Just went too fast for you. You just wanted went way too fast. It was 15, 15 minutes, if that, and then we were done. And then they walked, they, they escort you back to the front. You hand in your badge, you get in your car, and the magic is over. Oh. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that was the experience recording her. And um, thanks for listening. Oh, wow. <laughs> the one thing I did want to mention, um, when you're saying you barely slept, I, I would Im- imagine not sleeping would really affect your voice. That was the first thing I thought of when you said that. <laughs> I know my voice gets kind of deeper when I haven't slept. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, and I'm going to say this, not trying to sound at all arrogant, but a professional voice talent, we're used to all kinds of adverse conditions and mm-hmm. we take really good care of our voices in general. Yes, that's not an ideal. I mean, most of all, you want to be alert and awake and snappy and full of energy for any gig that's important. But uh, adrenaline and nerves and excitement and caffeine certainly took care of the brain part of it. And uh, I guess the voice wasn't adversely affected. I mean, I've had to pull all-nighters for doing voice matches, uh, for auditioning for voice matches and I think your voice after 20 years of doing voiceover, you just sort of get right. <laughs> handling different conditions, well, I guess. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously, that's what happened. But that's just as, – as someone that doesn't do that type of work, that was just one of the things I thought of. <laughs> but I could definitely relate to that nervousness of something that you're looking forward to and you just psych yourself up for it and, and not sleep. I definitely – and I'm sure a lot of listeners have had that experience as well. Yeah. And then the burden that you said, you know, like the stories, uh, you know, that your father told you're four years old and you're just like, how did I end up here? What a, <laughs> like, I can only imagine the, the, it was, it was mind bending. Uh, it still is mind bending to, to remember me as that little girl with Mary Jane's and white stockings and a little red dress looking up at the weather vane and hearing the stories of the sea captain and the bride and, and, uh, then suddenly becoming that character when I grew up. It just is amazing. Wow. So that being said, eventually, you know, the, it all opened up and you got to experience, you know, going on the attraction, you know, with your contributions. You know, what was that like? Oh, God, I was so nervous. I mean, I, I I'm meaning this. I'm saying this very sincerely from my heart. I didn't know what to expect. And uh, I think even more so now that it was a reality, now that I knew that it had been done, now I was really nervous. A, and this is the truth. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't want them to mess it up either. That was my, you know, that was my beloved mansion too. Yeah. And I didn't know what it was going to look like or feel like. And so it was really terrifying to me to, even if even if I hadn't been the voice, I probably would have gone in very skeptical, right? I mean, I was really split down the middle in terms of like, oh, this is so exciting. It's my voice. And on the other hand, man, I hope they didn't mess this up. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that I hope it feels like it's part of the mansion. And that was part of the one of the biggest directives voice wise. And I think one of the reasons why I was lucky enough to be selected I would have to guess it's because I'd grown up listening to 
the, the stories my father shared and me loving the voice work. I mean, that's why I went into voiceover was the voices of Disneyland and growing up with Thurl Ravenscroft and Paul Fries and um, Pete Renaday and just all of these voices, male, by the way, but still um, amazing, incredible voices where I just thought, how, in, how incredible, you know, these voices tell such stories just with their phrasing. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's why I went into voiceover. So when they said to me, we really want this to feel like it always belonged in the mansion. That was very important to Chris and to the Imagineers that whatever else it was, it didn't feel like we just slapped it on. Like maybe if you hadn't been paying attention, it had always been there, that it really felt like it was part of the original mansion. And I think for the most part, they certainly with the attic and the decor, they really succeeded. And they wanted the voice to feel without her being an imitation of anything that was already there, like it belonged in the mansion. And, um, yeah, go ahead. I was I think, I think they succeeded a hundred percent. I'll be honest. Um, you know, there's so many people, um, that didn't experience, uh, riding the mansion, you know, before the additions. And, I don't think too many people are going to say, oh, this must be a new edition. <laughs> you know, I don't think too many people feel that way because it, it all feels very natural. <laughs> the whole attic scene, for sure. Well, that's good to hear. I know people are split about the, you know, the projection. I know that there's a lot of feedback about why can't they get the projection to look a certain way. But, um, and I don't really have any feedback. To me, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say biased, but because I, I guess because I know how hard it is to create I have some idea of how much goes into it. Mm-hmm. And I know they were trying for something. They wanted her both real and corporal, uh, but also feeling like a spirit. So she's not an animatronic. She's not a projection. She's a combination, like they said, of four or five layers of different things going on where it feels like it could be real. Which, by the way, I've always felt like little Leota, yeah. who is, is far away and not life-size, they were going for that, but but they wanted it to be up close as if you could reach out and touch her, which is a very scary thing. To, I mean, if you think about it, it's so easy these days. We're so wise, right? Back when the park opened in 1969, people had never seen computer animation. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel's Avengers or any, Marvel Avengers or anything like that or Star Wars. We're talking like a full uh, nine years before Star Wars would come out. Or, or no, Star Wars was 77, 77, 77, yeah. <laughs> was 69. So doing the math. Yeah. So, um, they basically knew that people would buy into illusions far more back in 1969. Now you're going to put it into an audience 2006 and they were going to put this bride so close that you could reach out and touch her pretty much. And that's really opening yourself up to a lot of criticism if it doesn't pull together right. So as much as people are split about how great the projection is, I think they did an amazing job. And the illusion with the bouquet and the axe appearing, I think, is is pretty incredible. It's not a baseball bat. It was (laughs) an axe. Um, And so to ride it for the first time, I didn't want to. And I kept asking the person I went with, because I went with the casting director, and I went with a very special friend who's a whole other story, which is a connection to the mansion. Uh, sorry, to Pirates, oh, which 
I don't think I'll go into unless you want me to, because I know we're getting close to the hour mark. So I want to be respectful of the storytelling. Well, I mean, I think the listeners would be very upset with me if I said, no, we're not I don't want to hear that story <laughs> with a tease okay, well, like that. So please, we'll please share we'll that we'll story for another time. But one of the things I specialize is in voice matching celebrity voice matching and I've done it for you know different characters in the parks and I've done it for several video games and looping for movies I had had the unique and very special privilege of being asked to help find literally by the by character voices by a senior casting director to help find the voice for Jack Sparrow because they mm. didn't know if they were going to be able to get Johnny Depp for um, pirates at the time that it was planned he, he, he'd done the face cast and all of that, but I think he was off shooting other movies and they just didn't know if on time they'd be able to get the voice for Jack Sparrow. And so I was one of the people who, um, through my classes and through having trained a lot of students, went on the initial search for Jack, for the voice uh, match for Jack Sparrow, the official voice match, and then became the official coach to help train the person that they thought they wanted to become so close that it would trick anybody. Wow. And, um, and that's a very complex voice and several top voice artists who are phenomenal had booked it for a couple of months and then they were like, Oh, but it's missing something. It's missing some element that that's so important. And I'm very proud to say that I trained this amazing voice talent, um, who was just student of mine. Literally he was, had never done voiceover professionally and was in a class to learn how to do voice matching. And after seven callbacks, he got booked as the official voice match. They did fortunately get Johnny Depp for the attraction. So I, everybody can be happy to know that is Johnny Depp in right. the attraction. That's what I thought. Yep. <laughs> but for all kinds of other things from pinball machines to video games, to, um, to attractions and parades and newer attractions, um, I'm proud to say that, that my friend booked that and that I was the one who coached him how to become that voice. So I, he came with me wow. to, yeah, the three of us went down to, uh, see the bride and I wanted to stay outside and sit, uh, on a park bench and let them go first and tell me how it was. I didn't want to go. I didn't oh want to God. go. <laughs> so nervous. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to eat a churro or five and hear how it was. And, uh, and, but they convinced me to go and then I was weird. And then I was like, I don't want to go with you guys. I want to be on my own doom buggy. Mostly cause I was thinking if I hate it, I don't want to insult the casting director. I just didn't know how I was going to feel. Right. And so I did go on my own. They went first. I made them go ahead of me. And, um, and there weren't that, I feel like there weren't that many people that we were, we were in the middle of a day on a weekday in 2006. And it's hard to believe, it's hard to say this with anybody believing me, but it wasn't nearly as crowded as it is these days. No, no, there used to be, you know, a lull. <laughs> but now it seems like nobody has a, you know, work or school anymore because it's always yeah. crowded. <laughs> yeah. And will be again one day soon. But, yes, yes. Um, but back then it was fairly empty. So I made them go ahead of me. And when we got, I remember, okay. Every room we passed, my stomach got tighter and more sick. And there was a huge lump in my throat. I was so scared of what this was going to sound like or look like or be like. 
And um, I remember passing through the ballroom, not seeing anything, just like going, here we go. And they, they, kept, they told me that you would hear me first. Mm-hmm. Like I knew we were going to hear the voice first. And I started to hear the heartbeat. And then I heard that swooping, swishing, windy sound that precedes her lines. And I heard it. And it was so surreal. I was like, it sounded so good. Like what they did with the special effects. Mm-hmm. I was so impressed. But of course, you don't see her. So all I'm hearing is is the voice. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. But oh, my God, they did so many cool layering and backward effects on it. It just sounds so cool. And... And then seeing her. And I remember my friend sticking his head out from the dune buggy, you know, kind of awkwardly leaning over and <laughs> just like, that's you, that's you. And um, I think I leaned over and knocked on the back of his dune buggy or something like that. And <laughs> and then I saw her, but it was so surreal to see her that I didn't even like really take it in. Of take, course not. Take it all yeah, in. yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I also was so dazzled by the portraits because Chris had described what the portraits were going to be doing. And I remember thinking, I wonder if how it's going to, if it's going to look like, you know, in the hallway, if it's going to feel like they're scrims that yeah. are have light. And I was so impressed. I was like, wow, I don't know how they're doing that, but that looks so good. They are. And, yeah, they still are very impressive to say the least. <laughs> and I was looking for all the Easter eggs that she described to me about, what the mansion was going to have decor, you know, there was different Easter eggs that were homages to either her backstory or to backstory for the actual mansion. And so I was spending a lot of time looking for those because I love props and I love decor. And I was more interested in that, I think, than in seeing what she looked like. And so then I remember like the graveyard, forget it. I couldn't even tell you. I, my brain was just like on overload. And then they were like, do you want to go again? And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's go again. I want to see what she really looks like. So we went right back on. And um, this time I was really trying to pay attention to her. And I was like, well, it kind of looks like me, but, but not really. And I knew that they'd said, well, we're just shooting you for reference. Right. Um, but, but the, the face was also the face of the beautiful young actress that's in the portraits. So it's kind of a computer generated amalgamum of a couple of things. And, um, and being really impressed by the bouquet turning into the ax and this, and the sound of the ax with the little glint on it. Mm. I thought all that was really cool. And yeah, the whole rest of the day I was sort of on this crazy high of, Oh my God. So it didn't, it wasn't, it was good. It actually was like a cool effect and the, and Oh my God, the attic looks so beautiful and I can't wait to tell Chris and talk to Chris about it. And so, yeah, that was, that was that day. Wow. (laughs) A day you'll never forget. (laughs) I still have the t-shirt that I was wearing. I was wearing a, a Mickey mouse a black Mickey Mouse T-shirt with a gold Mickey Mouse, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I will say uh, one of the many times I've been to the mansion, I was lucky enough that I was it stopped right in front <laughs> for uh, like ten minutes or so. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and I just uh, I just I was in a trance. I just I'm like I'm just gonna take this all in. 
um, <laughs> and just 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 study every moment of it because that's all I really. I mean, I, that's what I want. I, I love getting stuck in the mansion because I love just just being stuck in a spot and just examining everything. And that was one of the few times it was just like right in front. And, and it is it's such a cool addition that I enjoy every element of it. <laughs> so and, um, and I, so I was on vacation during that time i was in walt disney world so i was really uh <laughs> i was like oh as long as long as they'll let me be here i'll i'll, I'll take it <laughs> it was a long time to be stuck in any attraction though without it, the lights on and then pulling you out yeah i was well i mean i had my fingers crossed for an evac which has never happened to me in the mansion as many times as i've been on there but i thought for sure but nope no evac <laughs> maybe one day yeah. but anywho um, well, as you, uh, you hinted a little bit about this and I want to, you know, give the listeners a little bit of a tease here. Uh, you were talking about when you were preparing for the role, how all this information that was, you know, you know, that was given to you to prepare you know, stuff that hadn't been seen the light of day since 1969, all this crazy stuff. And, um, I, you know, we, we have decided that we'd like to take a, a deep dive into all that stuff in a, on a future episode, but we gotta we gotta leave a little bit of a tease, <laughs> you know, and get a little bit of something that you, you know, that you learned during that time. So, is there anything that stands out that you might want to give a little tease? <laughs> um, what stands out? Well, there was so. I mean. James, there's just nothing like being at Imagineering and being handed a portfolio of yellowed papers and sketches that probably haven't seen the light of day since 1969. It was, wow. it was, I mean, magical is, doesn't even do justice to it. You know, it's, it's a crazy feeling that you're touching history and, um, and I didn't feel a part of it. I didn't feel worthy to be looking at some of this stuff. And, and that's not me being humble. These, this was original drawings from the original Imagineers concept drawings and, you know, hints and, and teases. And of course now it's come to light. Um, you know, that original drawing, um, I think the Mark Davis drawing of, of what the bride, you know, an early version concept version mm -hmm. where she's kind of like, uh, 1800s. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, very, very, very debonair. Not at all like our bride ended up looking. Um, I and think, I think for reference, yeah. that's currently in the uh, exhibit that's in um, Great Moments, Mr. Lincoln. That concept art, I believe. Oh my gosh, that's that's amazing! I didn't know that. I know it's in that book that came out last year about the about Mark Davis and his contribution to mm -hmm. the park. But um, anyway, I just remember looking. There were early concept drawings of the Haunted Mansion. There was Sea Captain reference uh, portraits, different portraits. And um, all of it was to just kind of give me a feeling or a flavor of how, how it should all pull together and what the voice should carry with it. Mm -hmm. And um, they really did the emphasis on the voice characterization was very important to Chris because again, she knew it was going to be mostly what you identified with the bride, uh, from the way that they'd planned the attic. And of course she'd never had a voice and they again, wanted it to feel like it was part of the mansion, but not, um, 
a direct, it shouldn't sound like Madame Leota. It shouldn't sound like little Leota. It should sound completely unique, but still part of that universe. And one thing that was really special to me was getting into deep, deep stories about the sea captain, mostly again, because my childhood, that's what I knew was supposed to be the original backstory because, um, of the weather vane. Right. And my, my dad telling me that the reason that the weather vane was there was because the original backstory of the mansion was that it belonged to a sea captain. So, um, to me, that's the pure real roots of it. And by the way, I just want to throw this out there to anybody who is curious. The full story that my father told me was a really full, rich, deep, gothic horror, Edgar Allan Poe fantasy. It, it was a beautiful backstory that had been relayed to him by some of the Imagineers. And um, it was one of the versions. And I think to a lot of the Imagineers, the true version of the backstory of the mansion. And I recorded that ghost story um, years ago. Oh. And it, um, you can find it on my website and also by Googling for it. God, The Bride in the Attic is, I think, what it ended up being called. Um, and I narrated it and it's got original sound effects from the mansion because a producer from Walt Disney records was gracious enough to produce it Ooh. and it's special. So, and I think you can also find it sometimes on doom buggies, but, um, on my website, there's a link. And again, if you Google, if you just Google, you know, original backstory of the haunted mansion narrated by Kat Cressida, I'm sure it's going to pop up somewhere. Um, it's a this but, is it's a video, but it, of of the audio. No, it's just an audio. It's just like a a twenty nine minute ghost story. Oh, cool! Gothic ghost story. I mean, we'll, so and, we'll link to it in the show notes so people don't have to search for it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, oh no, it has doom in it. Okay, nuptial doom, nuptial doom. Okay. that's what it. Nuptial doom, uh, the bride in the attic. So anyway, getting back to the sea captain, um, what was really cool was to hear an alternate version because the, the version my dad had told me was that uh, a sea captain uh, had fallen in love and after years and years of plundering, because he was also a pirate, he was, a, he was not just a sea captain hauling fish, he was carrying you know, mysterious goods that he was profiting off of and had piracy running in his veins. Mm. And um, so he wasn't necessarily a good guy, but he had decided to retire. He'd fallen in love with a young lass. He'd wooed the lass from the father, promised the father that he would treat her to the, you know, full uh, debutante lifestyle that was befitting of the upper echelon of New Orleans and built this beautiful mansion for her. And that when he um, took off for his last voyage, he promised the father that when he returned, he would throw a lavish wedding that the town had never seen, New Orleans had never seen, and that they would settle down and live happily ever after. And that this would be his last voyage, implying that he would give up the bad life and he'd, you know, turn over a new leaf and be a married man. And so she, of course, um, helps oversee the building of the mansion. And while he's gone and she dreams of their dream wedding and she's young and she's beautiful and she's sweet and 
let's obviously not the backstory, by the way, of our dear Constance, but uh, this is the original story for the for the bride, and that the mansion is completed, and she's waiting and waiting and waiting and looking up in the little couple at the top of the mansion, which is there. You can you know see it right beneath the weather vane, looking out at sea, searching for her sea captain, and eventually. She either dies of a broken heart because he has not returned or she gets word that he's been killed. So she takes her own life by either hanging herself in the attic or taking her own life in the attic by drinking poison or just dying of a broken heart, which is the one I went with because of the beating heart. Mm. I felt like she had promised him that she would love him as long as her heart, you know, she had a heartbeat. And so that's why the heartbeat continues on. Um, that was the beautiful gothic romantic story that that I had been taught. So there was this flip side story that um, the sea captain does return. They are preparing for the wedding. Um, she's up in the attic trying on her wedding dress. And something implies to the sea captain that while he was gone, she cheated on him or was dis- disloyal. Mm. And either that or he's had turned mad in his last voyage, but either way he makes his way up to the attic and kills her. And that's wow. the all story. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and just like in Edgar Allan Poe, remember that the mansion has a lot of ties to Edgar Allan Poe. We talked about the last one. And so as if to torment him and to haunt him, even though he's killed her, her heart continues to beat as a reminder and it drives him mad. And out of, remorse or guilt or just being driven mad even more mad he hangs himself um that's the alternate story to um the bride in the attic the original concept of the bride which is this broken-hearted beating heart bride well that's i like that that that's a fun (laughs) how fun is the word but And they lived happily ever after. Yeah, yeah. What a fun take. (laughs) (laughs) And fortunately for us, now there's a whole other story with Constance and her whole backstory, which we can do in another episode. All right. Well, I look forward to uh, unveiling all these these, uh, secrets and uh, myths and and, uh, finding out some of the truths to the, uh, some of the urban legends surrounding the mansion that 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 you this this uh, information that you have that you're willing to share with all of us here, I look forward to taking a deep dive in that um, next time we bring you on the show. You said unveiling, get it? I did. I was trying to be clever. <laughs> um, so uh, before we go entirely. I, there's a very special shout out that I want to make sure we get on because you guys have been seeing this beautiful Gothic romantic artwork mm. that created exclusively for um, creepy kingdom and foolish mortals doc um, or foolish mortals D on Twitter. And that was created by Howard Bowers, who is an incredible uh, Disney style artist, Disney artist out in Orlando. And uh, he created that exclusively for this special series of podcasts to talk about the bride. So wow. yeah, th- thank you so much to him for, for uh, sharing his talents and uh, 
and and uh, being a part of these uh, this special series. I really yeah. appreciate and it. You guys can find can find him by the way and, and holler at him and tell him you know thanks for the awesome creepy gothic romantic artwork. Uh, he's go away green go away green on both Twitter and Instagram. So that's I had to make sure we did a solid by that amazing Disney artist. Yes, yes. Very good. Well, Kat, this has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this round of, of, of hearing, you know, that process of going through and, and, and the night before and all that. Like I said, all of us were just right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope that um, me making, hearing the human side of the bride doesn't take away from her amazing personality, her sparkling personality and amazing uh, – Bridishness, because she is a character in and of herself, and I just feel honored to be a small part of just realizing the attic. No, no, it doesn't take away at all. In fact, it definitely enhances it for sure. So, thank you for sharing uh, these stories. Really appreciate it. Of course. All right. So, sometime very soon, you'll be back to give us a little bit more mansion fun. Don't worry back. <laughs> This podcast has been a production of the Creepy Kingdom Podcast Network. Executive produced by James H. Carter II and Ryan Grulick. Visit creepykingdom.com to get access to all of our articles, videos, and podcasts. Join our Patreon for exclusive content. Patreon.com slash creepykingdom. Until next time, this is Hannah reminding you to keep it creepy. (laughs) 